Good evening. Welcome to my view from the rim. It's the 20th of September. Here we're rolling into fall. Um, thankfully, not soon enough. Hoping for a uh, nice cold winter for a change. We'll see what happens. It doesn't matter. Welcome. Thank you so much for listening tonight. I am... Uh, first like to apologize that I've had thought that I would be doing a lot more of these. My, my goal is to at least do for the minimum one a week, but it's been nearly a month. Well, I think three weeks actually, since I did the last one and I'm feeling kind of bad about that. It's just that there's been pulled in so many directions as to where I want to go that frankly, as I'm sitting here now, um, I'm not sure how organized this is going to be. And so don't tune out immediately. Um, try to listen, and hopefully you will um, get something from this. Um, building on the last episode where he talked about testifying of the Lord Jesus Christ, I wanted to add um, a little bit different aspect to this. And, and in particular, I want to speak out to to anyone who may be wavering in their belief in God or belief in a, a structure as a structured church. And of course, I mean no offense to those who do not because religion and um, faith, like the atonement of Jesus Christ, is a very personal experience. And I do not believe that you're any less of a believer if you choose to worship privately than if you attended a church. I believe there's great value in attending a church, and, and I believe that when the authority of God is present um, through his authorized ministers, that good things can happen. And the fact that you're meeting together as brothers and sisters needing help, needing the grace that Christ provides, we can learn and grow together, regardless of how individual our faith may be. And the atonement of Jesus Christ, which was tailored as individuals to each of us. Remember, Christ suffered so that we do not have to. Actually, you know what? I don't even like that statement because while what we have to go through to repent and to build our faith certainly cannot compare to even the suffering that when you narrow down the suffering that Christ felt for each of us individually, what he asks of us is not comparable to what he went through. But we are not perfect as he was. He asks that we bring to him a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And I can tell you, my friends, that for many people, myself many times included, arriving at that godly sorrow 
where I can offer up fully a broken heart and a contrite spirit can be a challenge day to day. Pride comes in. And this is my concern today, is how many people are afraid to turn to the light that is Jesus Christ. How many people have tasted of the fruit of good works and turned away from it? And maybe they miss that that um, that taste and they want to have it back, but they don't know how. Or they don't want to do what is required, which is to give their sins to the Savior. To demonstrate our love by striving to keep his commandments. And our love further by offering up our hearts to him. How many of us look around at church and perhaps we feel like failures? Perhaps we feel like we're not worthy to be there. And then we look around and we see others who have dressed up, made themselves presentable. Of course, we do the same, right? And so we see them and we say, oh, what perfect lives they have. How can I sit in the same room with them? And it really is very simple. In the Savior's eyes, we are all his children. We are all brothers and daughters, or brothers and daughters, brothers and sisters, I apologize. Children of the Most High God. Now, we are all individuals. And some people are placed in positions of... Uh, increased responsibility. Perhaps they have uh, additional talents because contrary to what the world would have you believe, when it comes to talent, when it comes to ability, when it comes to our station in life, in mortality we are not equals. How many times did the Savior count, recount the parable? To one servant he gave five talents, to another he gave two, to another he gave one. And the beauty, of course, was that for the, the, the servant that received the five and returned an additional five, and the servant that received two and provided an additional two back, their reward was the same, even though 
their talents were not. And it stands to reason, for the one who had only received one talent, that had he brought back to his Lord an additional talent, would he not have been rewarded equally with the others? Of course he would have. The Lord asks that we try our best, knowing that we are not perfect, and that his grace is sufficient for us at that point. There was a song that uh, we're working on uh, in choir at church, um, written by Karen Lynn Davidson. Uh, o Savior, thou who wearest a crown. The song that we're working on is those lyrics. However, the lyrics, uh, the the music or the melody is a different song um, in the hymnal. A beautiful, beautiful, beautiful song with a, a different, but also a beautiful message. And I'm going to be honest. Um, I don't believe that I've ever sang this song. It's an Easter song. But yet there's a handful of Easter songs that in church we always sing. And this one, at least in my experience, is not one of them. And so as I've been sitting here thinking, I'm asking myself whether or not I should sing it or not. Um, and I guess we're going to try. So here we go. It's, O Savior Thou Who Wearest a Crown, by Karen Lynn Davidson. O Savior, Thou who wearest a crown of piercing thorn, the pain Thou meekly bearest, weighed down by grief and scorn, the soldiers mock and flail Thee, for her drink they give thee gall. Upon the cross they nail thee, To die, O King of all. A fairly typical, um, as far as uh, the meaning of the words go, very in, much in line. I'm sorry, I'm going to pause for just a moment and I'll be right back. I apologize for that. I try to record at a time when it's most likely that the dog will not be getting very excited and such. Um, as we proceed into the other verses, which I'll read the second and third verse rather than sing them, um, I want you to listen to the words because the words are very explanatory of some of the feelings um, that the author perceived that the Savior probably felt during those agonizing hours. So the second verse, No creature is so lowly, no sinner so depraved, 
but feels thy presence holy, and through thy love is saved. Though craven friends betray thee, they feel thy love's embrace. The very foes who slay thee have access to thy grace. Thy sacrifice transcended, the mortal laws demand. Thy mercy is extended to every time and land. No more can Satan harm us, though long the fight may be, nor fear of death alarm us. We live, O Lord, through thee. Such beautiful words from a sinner so depraved, yet they can feel the presence of the Lord if they but exercise a mustard seed of faith. Even the friends who betrayed him, well, the friend who betrayed him, well, I guess I'd say friends because everyone else fled. And of course, Peter, in his rejection of the Savior as prophesied by Jesus Christ, have access to his grace. No more can Satan harm us. Well, we have to look at that from a perspective, not of mortality. Because it goes right on to say, though long the fight may be, may be. But here's the problem. Or here is the blessing, maybe I should say. Is that the battle has already been won by the Savior. He came to earth. And lived a sinless life and willingly gave his life and suffered so that we do not have to. And because he did those things, and because he was resurrected on the third day, we can live again. And then the fourth verse. What praises can we offer to who thank Thee, Lord Most High. In our place Thou didst suffer, in our place Thou didst die. By heaven's plan appointed to who ransom us our King. O Jesus, the anointed, to thee our love we bring. All we can do, besides striving to keep the commandments, besides coming to him in prayer, not just when we need help, but to give thanks. 
to establish our personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He did suffer for us. He did indeed die for us. This was according to the plan set at the foundation of creation. I can't emphasize this enough. Not a single thing has happened on this earth that was not as God had foreseen it. The mistakes that we make, the good that we do, we have our agency to choose. And how we choose demonstrates our love for Him. But make no mistake, there are no coincidences when it comes to the Savior. And even though we are not forced down a path, the path that we choose is foreseen by He who knows all. And for us, it's never too late to turn to the light. I see so many who have willingly turned away. It's inexplicable to me, though I've had my moments, and I will not deny. Well, actually, here, what I'm going to say is I was a bad child of our Heavenly Father for a while because I never doubted the truthfulness, that I, the truth that I have learned. I just, for a time, did not live it. Does that weigh on me? Um, what weighs on me is what good was not done because of my choices is what weighs on me. Whom could I have helped? If no one else, at least myself, right? He lives, and because He lives, I know that I will live, that when life leaves me and I die, that it's just a mortal death, until that time that I'm reunited with a glorified and perfected body as all of us will be. These things I know without a doubt. He is our Savior. 
His light shines for us, no matter how far we are away from Him. All you have to do is look to the light. It's my view from the room. Have a good night.